Live from the two bergs, that's Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. It's 808s and Hot Takes. I'm your boy, Rock. We're here with your boy, Rio. What's up, Rio? Hey, Rock. How you doing, man? Glad to be here. This is the first episode of our podcast, 808s and Hot Takes. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you're listening, you're probably just one of our friends. (laughs) But we appreciate you anyway. You want to say something, Rio? What a time to be alive, man. (laughs) I got to say, I wish I had friends that had a podcast. I'd love to know what's on their mind, what they think about the sports, even though they always tell me anyway. So maybe we can give them some new new info here, maybe entertain a little bit. Speaking of what a time to be alive, what a game last night. Did you catch it? Oh, I happened to catch it on my DVR. No, I watched, caught it last night. Um. That was that. it was a painful it was painful to to just watch a team just collapse like that. I mean, in terms of dropping that three one. Everyone, I mean, I was convinced that it was over. It was sealed. Warriors well, how could you not bad. think it was over? I, I read someone hasn't done that since nineteen eighty one. That's like thirty five teams have ever done. Yes. Yeah, that's insane. And I, I know the thing was when when it happened when they went down three one people were saying you know no one's ever people haven't done it in a long time and then there's always the argument well you know this isn't your average team and I just knew that that was going to end up doing it and <laughs> I'm going to have to hear about all this Steph Curry again I was really yep. enjoying Steph Curry being bad for a little while there he seemed almost human for a little bit if you're looking for the Steph Curry fan club, this is not the right podcast. We are not, <laughs> not fans of Steph Curry. Yeah. I love Steve Kerr. I think he's a freaking genius. I think people who say, oh, I could coach a team to the Western Conference Finals. No, you couldn't because Mark Jackson was coaching them to a six seed every season. And then one guy comes in and all of a sudden they're the best team ever record-wise. Like that doesn't just happen. And – so I got mad love for Steve Kerr. I got mad love for Sean Livingston. I got mad love for Clay Thompson. But Steph, he's kind of a little brat. He kind of bothers me with his shimmy dancing. Like, Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's like, and he's one of those athletes that we get every once, you know, every five years or so that's just like, he's on top, but he's just too squeaky clean. And just my quick. God, dude, I'm sick of hearing about Riley Curry and Aisha Curry. <laughs> I hope her cooking show sucks. I hope it sucks. <laughs> you know who is never disruptive on the podium? Derrick Rose Jr. He's nope. very well-mannered, and he's a great child, and he doesn't look for the spotlight. He lets his dad have it because his dad is the one that people want to talk to. When's the last time Derrick Rose had a podium game, though? <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, one thing I thought was interesting from last night, I'd like to know if you agree. I bet a lot of people are going to be like, oh, my God. Steph Curry, how amazing. But they would have never been in that game if it wasn't for Klay Thompson shooting in the first half. They, he was playing out of his mind just to keep it within like nine. But if he wasn't hitting absurd shots, they would, that, that lead would have ballooned to 15, 20 points and they would have never came back. Yeah, Clay was Clay was taking shots from Steph Curry range out there and he was certainly feeling himself, but... You know, it's we shouldn't even be surprised anymore when Clay Thompson, you know, is cold for a quarter and then drops twenty five the next quarter. You know, it seems to be his kind of his shtick. But I mean, <laughs> they were once they did that, they were spreading the floor so well. It was it was just tough to battle. I mean, I still thought it was. You know, I'm glad it was still a close game down at the end. You could tell the, the, the Thunder. You know, they were still confident. I mean, 
I, I'm sure they got a little nervous again, like they always do when they have a little lead. They were up by like, you know, double digits, and then that usually doesn't end well for them. I don't know why. They've, I think it was like 15 or so games this year. They've had a lead in the fourth and lost it. That's, that's nuts. Yeah, I remember after one game, a, an interviewer asked Russ, and he was like, we're up by two points, man. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, I, I thought the Thunder were going to win when I saw at the end of the first half that crazy left-handed floater bank shot Steph Curry made. It looked like every single player on the Thunder and their mom and dad and best friend were contesting that shot. Yep. And I was like, this team's defense is so long and athletic and crazy. Like, I don't know if you can out NBA jam crazy three, like outshoot them like that. But apparently you can when you're that good. Yeah, I mean, the and it goes, it's definitely says something with that defense, because ever since last year's finals, everyone thought, well, you got to go small now. Big man's done. All it took was one season, and everyone gave up on the big man already. <laughs> so I think it was great to see these guys in the playoffs. There was Valanchunas, before he got hurt, was having a great series in the yeah. first, second round. And, you know, Steven Adams obviously just is, like, lighting the world on fire. And Oh, my God. And it's, it shows yeah. that, like, you know, the big physical guy is not – that's not dead. There's always going to be a need for him because who the Warriors are getting killed on boards. Draymond Green's not that great of a rebounder as is, yet he's trying to – you know, you're having Draymond try and D up Steven Adams and KD, and he's trying to switch on to everyone. He's exhausted. Steven Adams just made him call him daddy. <laughs> and I think, I thought it was the funniest thing ever when uh, when Draymond pulled down Steven Adams oh, yeah. and Adams hit him with the DDT, and the Warriors fans, <laughs> the Warriors fans were chanting for them to throw Steven Adams out of the game. Like Draymond Green didn't just get away with two nut shots in a row and got yeah. off scot-free. And anyone who's like, oh, he was flailing, he was flailing. He kicked him in the nuts, okay? Oh. And I, to me, hitting another man in the nuts on purpose is an offense where I immediately don't like you. Apparently, that's not the case for most people because Chris Paul has done it like five <laughs> or six times by now. But uh, to me, that does it. But I do want to talk about Steven Adams because as most people know who are listening to this podcast, we both went to Pitt. You probably went to pit if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, to be honest. Um, and no one saw this coming. He is 22 years old, and he looks like a man amongst boys out there. And it makes you wonder if he was still at pit, and he was literally a man amongst boys. Yep. Like what he would be doing now. But I didn't see this coming at all. He's so good now. Yeah, he's he's big. He's physical. He does not. I, I think he might be the hardest guy to get under his skin because he – has not he first always been punched in the face by some of the greats. He's gotten punched in the face by <laughs> Zebo. Got Zebo suspended for a game seven in the playoffs a few years back. Got punched in the face by Vince Carter. Got kicked in the nuts by Draymond a few times. Has never retaliated. He could have murdered that fan that grabbed his arm. It was all these <laughs> oh. and he's so collected. And I gotta give it to him. I mean, the guy has been going under the radar for the last few years for pretty much everyone who wasn't a Pitt student or a Pitt fan. For his one year, but I mean, it's I'm loving it seeing like you know the center position come back because I was I wasn't really a big fan of the way this small ball thing was taking over. I think it's something it's a great tool to utilize, but I think if you're banking on going small, having like a you know having like a swing man at your five, I think that I just that style of play. I like to have a little bit of little bit of grit. Yeah, I'm 
I'm a big fan of the big man. I play like a big man myself when I play <laughs> basketball. So I don't want to see it go away. But um, so I do want to talk about the finals. Yes, sir. Give our expert opinions. Um, and I've I've made a little table for myself for the my anticipated matchups. <laughs> and I think what everyone looks at first is how in the hell are Kyrie and Matthew Delvadova going to guard Steph? Yep. And that obviously, I mean, they can throw Shumpert on him and stuff, but he doesn't get that much burn anymore. Yeah. But uh, to me, something I really I'm looking at is can Tristan Thompson keep up with Steph and Draymond on that pick and roll? Because to me, the deadliest offense the Warriors have is when Draymond screens for Steph. Both guys fly out at Steph because they're scared beyond belief that he's going to hit a step back 30 footer and then Draymond just has a full head of steam going four on three and can just finish himself or dish to a shooter or lob to bogut or something so if Tristan can be mobile which he he's done in the past he's done a good job switching on the guards and stuff I think that right there can be a huge swinging point one way or another for these teams with Tristan though you gotta think I mean the guy's made his bread and butter by camping out for those offensive rebounds and getting away with yeah. some of the most egregious offensive fouls I've ever seen. <laughs> but, I mean, the guy shows up in the playoffs. He, he boards really hard. I mean, I don't know if he's mobile enough to stick with that pick and roll. I mean, it's going to be tough. I think what they need to bank on is, if I'm the Cavs, my game plan is, are we going to let Draymond Green shoot 100 or 101 threes during this season? Because I'll let him <laughs> stick his butt out when he does I'll it. let him shoot all day. That guy is cold. He's, I, I'm, I know if there was a, what, there were two, two games, oh, the, yeah, games, I think three and four. He was like a minus like 30-something each game. This is your superstar. This is your defensive player of the year. I think that was just, I think that was a big eye-opener. And I... Don't buy the excuse of oh, played a bad. You guys should not have a bad playoffs. If that's your star, if there's a superstar, top, you should, like a top ten player in the league, there's no reason he should be having you know six points a game. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the guy who does other things in scoring, like because he's a good passer and he's a good rebounder and stuff. I appreciate that kind of player, but he's no, by no means a superstar. Everyone who keeps calling him a superstar or an MVP candidate, he's not, okay? Yeah. He's great. He's great at being a cog in the deadly and potent machine that is the Warriors, but he's by no means a superstar on a Kevin Durant or a LeBron level. I think, um, uh, I think the Cavs need to ahead. get uh, – if only there was a way the Cavs could still have uh, Kendrick Perkins on their team. Go in there, get, have, have him rile up Draymond. You can get Draymond Green riled up. He's out the game. You basically take him out. And nothing right. gives me more joy than watching them bound into uh, Draymond when there's like, you know, less than three seconds left because 10 out of 10 times he drops that inbounder. He tries to take it to the hole and he loses it every time. I think it's been a couple series in a row here. He did it in the Boston game. He's like, I, I find it hilarious. He lost the game like that. Yeah, though, he lost the, the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. And I just, uh, yeah. Um, another thing I think they can learn, the Cavs, is the the Warriors were not interested in, like, rebounding with the Thunder. Yep. Like, the Thunder grabbed so many offensive rebounds, and when they shot, they had maybe one guy crashing ever. And uh, if, I mean, Kevin Love... Despite hanging out on the three-point line all the time now and just looking like a 
definition of a stretch four. He at one time averaged like 15 rebounds a game. And Tristan Thompson is obviously one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. But if you watch those Bismack Biombo highlights from last <laughs> series, it looks like if you just hey, just put a body on him, it's he's really kind of you know not that great. But if if they can be less concerned, because everyone just wants to get back against the Warriors, they don't want to get run on. If they can just have their guards make sure they get back and play smart transition defense, they can really out rebound them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that if I had to pick an X factor for this series outside of your LeBrons and Clays and Stephs. I think Channing Fry is going to be a big piece for oh, these yeah. Cavs because if he can be out there, because he's, he's a big body. I mean, he's a veteran, you know, he can bang a little bit, not that, not that much, but he can bang a little bit with the smaller lineups. And, you know, if he's out there stretched in the floor and you're have that paint wide open for LeBron, NBA finals, LeBron is going to get to that hole. He's going to get fouled. There's no, stopping that there's a reason he goes to the finals every year and there's a reason he I mean I still think he should have gotten the MVP last year which would have been hilarious but I mean the guy was putting up like you know 37 a game and that was without oh my God. without out without anyone to help him space the floor and I think JR is shooting a lot better now um and Channing Fry will go out there he'll he might even you know Channing Fry is like, and I'm I'm assuming these teams shooting about probably and if you want Channing Fry to go out there and take seven or eight threes. I mean, he's hitting at a pretty high clip. So, I mean, if he can get out there and at least make them respect that jumper, I think it gives uh, NBA Finals LeBron a chance to really make his mark and make this a series. But I, by no means, I, I will do I think it's going to be an easy series for the Cavs. Yeah, uh, that last year MVP going to Iguodala. I mean, the Iguodala played great, but come on, LeBron is averaging <laughs> like 35 and a triple-double. Like, like someone else can do that besides Jerry West. Um, but yeah, Channing Fry is going to be a huge X factor. It's like pulling uh, Bogut and Festus away from the rim. Another thing about the Cavs, like I don't think it's a good game plan to try to out-Warriors the Warriors, but Kyrie is probably a top five three-point shooting point guard. JR is definitely a top five three-point shooting shooting guard. Kevin Love is a top five three-point shooting power forward, and Channing Frye can shoot threes as good as any center. Like, they have the weapons, and they you saw it in these games against the Hawks where, I mean, they didn't even have a chance, and you're hitting 23s a game. Like I said, though, is that really a smart move? Do you even want to try to out-Warriors the Warriors? They have a guy on their team who hit 400 threes this season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think uh, so many teams have tried to out Warriors them, and it, it's you know you're not going to beat them at the you know the strategy that they minted. But I think in terms of toughness, though, I think the Cavs are a much much tougher team. I mean, and I think there's nothing more. I don't think anyone was rooting harder for the Warriors to get to the finals than LeBron because LeBron's been you know the spotlight's been off him all year. He, I'm sure he feels a little salty that. You know, the media's been all over Steph Curry's junk all year, and LeBron's <laughs> been doing incredible things, especially for a guy who's been playing as long as he has and logged as many minutes. He's still putting up ridiculous numbers, and I'm sure he just wants this this national stage to just give it one crack to just, you know, down and kind of seize the crown back. I'd lo- I would love to see that. Uh yeah, I mean, the city of Cleveland obviously hasn't won a major sports title in like 50 years. That would be absolutely nuts if he was able to do it. Um, I know you want to talk about the lottery a little bit. Yeah. I got one one main question for you. 
Was it a fix? Did did Adam I, Silver say you get your act together, you can have the number one pick? I think there. I mean, I'm one certainly who loves the conspiracy, especially when it involves uh, things breaking for the Sixers. Who I I can't believe that they're still a team and the owners haven't voted to just rescind them as a franchise, but. I think there's a, something a little fishy about the fact that in the history of the draft, there's never been a lottery that went complete chalk the whole way. It never happened before. And I think I at least have some type of fix in. I'm glad that they didn't give the uh, Sixers the one and the four pick. You know, they didn't have Lakers fall outside of that uh, top three. But I mean... I you know I was a little upset at first, but I realized the Sixers are going to screw this up anyway, and they're they're still going to be irrelevant. I mean, I am so excited to see how hard Ben Simmons can to like just totally disregard the Sixers. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure it's already a known thing that he wants to go to LA. They're gonna for they're gonna hold any type of not going to work out for the Sixers. I mean, they're pretty much where, you know, no one wants to go because where's your where's your career going to go? I mean, from there, they're still, they're about to trade either Noel or Okafor, two guys that they spent the previous two years of the process to draft, and they're already ready to ship them away. Who knows what Joel Embiid's going to be? I mean, basketball in years, and he was already new to the game when he was drafted, I think he had only been playing for about three or four years. So I think uh, they're in a little bit of panic mode. I think it's a tough job for Colangelo. Um, I do think, though, I would. I'm liking trading the three pick to the Sixers for either Noel or straight up. I'll take that deal. I think that's a fair swap. I think. You know, I mean, if the Sixers really love taking all these young guys so much, go ahead, take Dragon Bender. You can have him. We'll talk about him in five years when he's de- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um two things I like I thought about with the Sixers is that uh I learned this on an NBA podcast. Fun fact, Brett Brown actually coached Ben Simmons' dad in Australia. So oh. I think the chances of him taking Ben Simmons is very, very high. Oh. Because whether or not he wants to go there, which I think yeah, he doesn't. They're definitely going to take him. I think that's like I, and it seems like anyone I know that's a Sixers fan or any type of Sixers media I'm reading, they're all big on the Simmons thing. What is their lineup going to be when like they bring over Saric and Embiid's healthy? Who is going to shoot the ball? Sar- everyone's like assuming Saric is like a stretch four. He they in their rankings in uh, Europe, he's not he's ranked as like a top forty European player. He's supposed to be this savior that's going to be your stretch four. And I mean, (laughs) I think, I think the guy is going to, you know, and what you're, you're going to what try out a lineup of five, six, 10 guys. And one of them can shoot. I mean, I, I think they'd be better off. Maybe, maybe Simmons, maybe try and trade for that three picks. You can get a point guard because I mean, I don't think you can run Ben Simmons at point forward just yet. um, Oh yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, like everyone is saying, he's gonna play point guard or point forward or something. Like the dude's gonna be what nineteen? Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be Larry Bird all of a sudden at nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> that that's gonna work. Um, another, I I just think this plan was flawed from the start because when when it takes longer than your rookie contract to get your team together, no one's gonna want to go there. Nope. No one's gonna want to go there in general. But having said that, I do want to say 
everyone hating on Sam Hinkie and whatnot. If the balls go a different way last year or picks go a different way and Carl Anthony Towns ends up on the Sixers, oh, my God, he's he's genius. Like, this guy looks like he's going to be an MVP candidate. We did it. What a what a hero. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people just got to realize, like, there's there's decisions and there's outcomes. Like, the, the, decision, the decisions he made could have very easily had a better outcome. They didn't. Now he's fired. But... <laughs> It's not really about how the how the balls shake out. It's about the process. Not I don't even want to say that. I, but. I think it's all about how the balls shake out, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you're right though. You know, a little bit of luck here and there. But you know, you could you could say that about any GM. I mean, there's been so many that screwed over in the draft lottery. So I mean, I thought it was a good lottery. I mean, it'll be an interesting draft. I'm, I, you know, I'm as much as I hate the league. Not even a, a threat in any capacity anymore. I was glad to see they didn't lose their pick. Um, the the Lakers you said yeah I'm glad I'm glad that they at least got to keep that pick um, under I mean I'd like to see I'm I'm assuming they'll have to take Ingram but you know what I you never know there's a month till the draft workouts haven't even started yet and you know, like uh, Russell jumping up at the last minute last year well yeah we could talk about this draft for weeks but uh, I want to move on to a very special segment it's called uh. What's hot with Peen? That's where my boy Peen does some research. Tells us what's really going on in the world, you know? So, Peen, I'd like to know what he came up with. All right, D-Rock, I got some fire for you today. Been browsing the internet. And uh, our first guy up here. So, Forbes.com reports today that there was a breach in about... 100 million MySpace accounts. They've been uh, <sighs> So uh, I was wondering, you know, are, are you nervous about this? Is this going to impact you? Are you worried someone's going to be posting some bulletins that aren't you or spamming your, your top eight? I mean... <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Uh, first of all, I believe the last person to eclipse my my top eight was Ian Mikrit, so shout out to him. <laughs> But uh, a couple years ago, I found it, or someone sent it to me. They were like, hey, I found your MySpace. <laughs> Check it out. And I tried to get in it, and I couldn't even do forgot your password. I had no idea what email I'd used or anything. So I am kind of worried <laughs> because I don't even know if I have the means to monitor it. And, like, if I ever want to run for office or something, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that'd you know, be someone it. can be posted whatever they want. But at the same time, my Twitter is kind of ridiculous, and I don't care enough to make it private. So, I mean, there's already kind of stupid posts by me on the internet, but that is interesting. I'm wondering if you're who still was, on MySpace, yeah. get who, off. Who decided to, you know what? I'm gonna go after him. I'm gonna hit him hard at MySpace. I was. I'm not sure that like people even use it. I know they changed their like brand like a few years back, but like used it. And big ups to Tom for getting away from that sinking ship and selling it for about five hundred million dollars. Good for you, Tom. Appreciate you, man. Um, yeah. All right. So next headline here we got from Bleacher. Um, someone leaked a. Uh, it was a. Oh, never mind. A Rod posted this. It was a. Parents Day, like questionnaire that his daughter filled out for school. She's eight years old. 
And some notable things that peek out on this is, first off, she doesn't know how old he is. She uh, says he's 43. He's actually 40. But what really caught my eye was that one of the questions says, greatest thing my dad ever did was, and all it says is, cut me an apple, period. Do you think, <laughs> do you think A-Rod was kind of looking over her shoulder on this one? Like, right, cut me an apple, girl. You better right, cut me an apple. <laughs> You know, don't bring up anything about the cheating or, you know, me dating Madonna. Like, do you think that's an issue that, like, do you think the teacher who clearly knows this girl's dad is Alex Rodriguez <laughs> is just like, yeah, cut me an apple? I'm I'm worried. I'm thinking uh, I'm going to have to call in the counselor. Maybe there's something under wraps here. I'm so desperately trying to connect a joke to taking steroids from cutting an apple but like what does that mean cutting i mean known this guy for you know when when can you start making memories probably like age three or four so a couple years yeah. i'm sure he's you know he's a, a multi-billionaire and he's got all this you have this lavish life that's this thing you have better have been a granny smith apple man <laughs> how how old is his daughter eight so like not and eight. she had like good handwriting spelled everything right so i'm not buying the uh I'm not buying this answer. Thought it was sketchy. Just wanted to let you know that in case some type of big scandal breaks. Yeah, this this does seem fishy. This seems like A Rod's publicist has gotten control of his daughter as well. And when you have like the the biggest contract in baseball history until Bryce Harper signs a new one, you can do things like that. I, I I'm very confused by this. Like <laughs> I'm thinking, hasn't he ever taken you anywhere yet? Like. <laughs> I'm thinking his publicist is the one that filled it out because there were no errors <laughs> and it was, I would love to see that was his publicist, but we'll move on to our final uh, headline here. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this or not. This also was, it was on some various outlets, but it was on Bleach Report. Um, there was a Cavs fan who said that he would eat his shirt if the Warriors won uh, the last series. And uh, he posted a video on Reddit of him <laughs> trying to eat his shirt. He ate a little bit of it. Um, he didn't want to die, so he didn't eat the whole thing. But uh, it's a pretty big shirt. There's a lot of screen printing on it. Um, I I think it was ridiculous. Would you would you follow on a bet like that? You had to eat your shirt. I mean, how, how do you even go about that? Well, I, I, actually, it's funny you say this. I have a flip phone at work that gets the internet despite being a flip phone. And I... <laughs> I I peruse NBA Reddit and I saw this, but I obviously couldn't watch the video because it doesn't have flash play or anything fancy like that. And I just wondered, like, where do you make this proclamation where you feel <laughs> so guilty that you're like, oh, my God, I have to I have to do this. I have to film it and I have to try. Um, like, I would I would just be like I would do the exact thing I. Same thing I do when people recommend me for the ice bucket challenge. I just act like it never happened. <laughs> just, let, just let it go down the tubes of the internet forever and never be found again until someone hacks my MySpace. <laughs> oh, my God. Not the MySpace. <laughs> Not the um, MySpace. All my hot tracks. I'm sure you had some fire on there, D-Rock. But that's, uh, that's, that's what I got for you today in uh, What's Hot with Peen. I'm, uh, I'll be sure to have some more fire for I appreciate Great your segment. your compromises there. Now the next segment um is going to be our fan question segment. 
And everyone who I've asked for questions is like, how am I supposed to be a fan? It hasn't <laughs> even come out yet. The people who said that, I'm looking at you, Trevor. Come on, man. Just give me a freaking question. We're trying to make a good podcast here. <laughs> you know what that means? That means it's time for some fan questions. <laughs> some good okay. fan question music here. <laughs> So our first question comes from my boy, Ian Mikrit, and he says, if you had to fill out a volleyball team of all NBA players, who would it be? And I've got my answers written out. I, I think we can go at the first at the same time. So both outside hitter spots. Oh. I got Westbrook and DeRozan. Oh, that's interesting. I have uh, they're a little similar. So uh, mine, I would probably go Budinger as my first one, just because he's like a pro-level volleyball player as is. He was a national player of the That's year uh, in high school. He's got some bunnies. Um, my second outside, I'm going Andrew Wiggins. I like uh, I like the hops. Oh. So I'm very similar to DeRozan in, in their volleyball skills. That would be the uh, the ability to sky up there. But I think uh, I think that's who I'd probably go with my OHs, man. He he just looks like a volleyball player. He's Andrew like, he's um, uh, that's a key factor for the middle hitter. I feel like everyone wants to say, uh, like DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard, but you you need someone who can really really move, someone who can get out there to the pins, <laughs> block straight down. Just like Derek, Dupois. just like our boy Creed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went with one. Steven Adams, because his mobility and athleticism for how big he was very much impressed me in this series. And I was watching season highlights, and Carl Anthony Towns, when you see him go coast to coast, crossing over like four times and then finishing and bowing to the crowd, I'm like, that dude needs to be my middle hitter. Yeah, I, you know, who would know better than a middle hitter himself? So I completely <laughs> uh, I take your word on that. If I had to go with my middles, my, I mean, any type of big man related thing where he's got a athletic, I go with Andre Drummond just because the man is a, is a physical freak and there's so much power behind him. But he's not; he doesn't need to be fed the ball much. You don't got to feed him the sets all the time. He's going to go up there and it's he's going to challenge. And uh, I like his game. And my other middle hitter, I'm going Joel Embiid because uh, he also has <laughs> also has some volleyball experience uh, before he played it's true. baseball. And, you know, he's he's huge. He's an absolute beast. And even if he's not as quick on his feet, he's still got the length to, and the strides to get out there and really challenge the swings. So I'd probably go drumming and Embiid. That, that's, those are good picks. Now, uh, you can fill out a team different ways, but we're going to go. You want to do Setter and uh, Libero? Setter and Libero. Oh, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of cop out, but it's just, it's just obvious to me. It's the Splash Brothers, Steph, et cetera. Interesting. And Clay I like that. I think that's uh yeah, you gotta have that uh symbiotic relationship there. I think that's I, I that's a good one there, man. Um for me, for setter, gotta go with Giannis, man. He's a distributor. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to distribute and he's got the most ridiculous physical tools in terms of his length. So he's got a great block up there, he can put down some overpasses for you, and you know, he could probably probably dish the rock a little bit so uh I'd, yeah i'd have to say Giannis. and for my libero this is a uh, you know a little homer of me but going marcus smart man for my libero he's scrappy 
<laughs> scrappy on the floor. He might not have the best serve received, but man, if that man's not going to be throwing his body around, getting ups, I think uh, he'd be a good asset to have. He's, you know, he's a loose cannon. That's true. That's that's a good one. Um, my next question comes oh, from uh, Alice uh, Welsh. Yes, go ahead. She wants to know, is Anderson Verjao a spy for the Cavaliers on the <laughs> Warriors? I think the short answer, yes. Like, why else would he be on the team? There's And the thing is, though, there's no way that the Cavs are going to take the time to try and switch any type of, you know, playbook or game plans that they have for Anderson Verjao. You know, he they're not, like, they're not going to go either way and split hairs over him. I mean, whatever, you know, you, you could... You know, give you could pretty much give the Warriors any type of it's inside info in the Cavs, but at the end of the day, you still are playing against LeBron James, and that kind of defies any type of pre-planning. Does he get a ring? If regardless, he's played about thirty-two games oh, for each team. Snap. He's played thirty-one for the Warriors, and I think thirty-three for the Cavs this year. I I think those those rules are pretty liberal. They just give rings to anyone. So I think he's got it made. Because especially because he's out there, he was in Cleveland for a while. I think he might still yeah. get. It. So I mean, he apparently is gonna get a ring either way. But I'm sure it would for a Cleveland ring be on the losing side of it, and then kind of getting a pretty much a participation medal <laughs> as much as an NBA yeah. ring can be. As far as the spy thing goes, I wouldn't put anything past Dan Gilbert, who wrote a <laughs> scathing letter in Comic Sans. Anyone who's willing to write a letter in Comic Sans, like, doesn't have any regard for any social norms. I, I don't think I've even seen Comic Sans since, I don't know, when I learned how to change my font and colors on air. <laughs> I think that was when Comic Sans was cool. But since then, I mean, come on. You might want to go with Helvetica, maybe Ariel. I don't know, man. I... <laughs> I think that was uh, that was hilarious, and I hope he did it on purpose. Um, my next question comes from my brother Dan Dubois, and he wants to know what cat names do you like? <laughs> I personally like a name for a female cat uh, that I came up with myself, Uma Perman. It, uh, oh. Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies. I think it's very clever. I'm a fan of puns, <laughs> and that's what and. Besides that, for guys, I would name it any random name like Carl or Steve. <laughs> I like that. Or Cody. I uh, I would probably say, regardless of gender, and regardless of animal, my always go to I think would be any type of sandwich. Like, could you imagine, like, you know, your cat named Cheesesteak? You know, I think think maybe any type of sandwich or food uh, would be funny to name these animals, aside from the fact that you're calling them food. Um, but, <laughs> but I think I do like the idea of like a, you know, like a Rich or Paul. It's like your cat's name. <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, it's like, who's that? He's so cute. Oh, that's Paul. That's Paul. He's, a He's my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what that means. That means it's time for our next segment. Hey. It's time for the top five list. I'm a big fan of top five lists. Everyone loves top five lists. That's like why BuzzFeed is so popular. There's a million YouTube channels just dedicated to lists. Uh, yep. And I think it'll be a valuable part of our, our podcast. So We'll have to see what the, uh, the, we'll see, see how the, uh, the fans do. See how the Nielsen ratings come in on this one. Uh, <laughs> looking, really looking forward. The top five lists that we came up with today are the top five animals that would be cool to talk to. There we go. Uh, you know what? 
and why not stick on the theme of animals? I think uh, we're being very, very, uh, I'm sure um, the people at Life Foundation are really going to love this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're not all about the NBA, okay? You can keep listening to us after this season. <laughs> so number five to me is sharks because they're definitely cool-looking animals and they can definitely kill any human in the water. And I would just be like, I would want to say like, hey, I know you don't really like to eat us, so just what do you want us to do? Like, I know you get us confused with fish, like, and sea turtles and stuff floating near the top of the water. So, like, what position can I be in to confuse you the least and just make this better for both of us? I think uh, they'd probably bring up the uh, the shark pizza that they sell in Destin, Florida. I think that's probably rubbing <laughs> them the wrong way. Maybe they're kind of getting their own, making some human pizza. Um, yeah, I said it's shark pizza. Yeah, World Wildlife Foundation. You guys, they're probably, they're, they probably stopped listening. Um. <laughs> no, I agree. I think I think shark good good move on the shark. I'm I'm excited to hear these other four here. <laughs> um. So in the number four, I was watching the documentary Planet Earth, and I saw something that was unbelievable. It was about a colony of ants, and there's this spore that infects their brain, and it kills them, and it literally reanimates them like a zombie. But ants are so smart that they will literally notice a guy starting to act like zombie like they'll be like oh hey guys like carl is acting crazy and they will all pick him up and throw him over a cliff away from the colony so that it doesn't like spread to other <laughs> ants and like you you can't do that sort of thing with just like movements like in signals like you have to be able to communicate so i would want to ask them like yo how do you guys talk to each other like were you sad when you threw Carl over the cliff? And like, and you know, he, are zombies scary? I I think the communication factor probably leads to. I'm pretty sure like 50 percent of ants get to that just because anytime they're acting erratic, they just toss them off a cliff. Also, what are ants doing congregating around cliffs and high ledges? <laughs> I uh, I think that's ridiculous, and I am now terrified of ants. So thank you for that. <laughs> Um, really got to make sure I call Orkin in to get them out of my kitchen. So thanks. For that. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Coming in at number three, it's kind of, it's kind of like saying Steph Curry and Clay Thompson for the volleyball team, but it's dogs. Cause I feel like most humans have this like visceral reaction when they see dogs. They're like, Oh my God, I need to go pet it. And dogs really seem to like people like, and I just want to be like, yo dogs, like, why do you like us so much? Like, did your ancestors treat you well? Did, did they give you food? Like, is this a product of thousands of years of Darwinism? Or do you think we just, like, make good friends, you know? I uh, I, I would probably, I don't know. Do we actually make good friends? I mean, <laughs> I think we, I think for all the taking, for all the talk of, uh, oh, man, I think the dogs are our best friend. Maybe the dogs are kind of like, man, like, do we, re like, is there any other species we could be best friends with than <laughs> humans? Like, they, like, forget to take me out. They tell me to shut up when I'm talking. Like, you know, maybe, maybe there's some big conspiracy that these dogs are really just, like, waiting for an uprising. They're just, they're just kind of playing nice for now till later sabotage adorably. Everyone out there who loves your dog, he's he's not talking about your dog. Your dog loves you. He's talking about the neighbor's dog. It's not talking yours. about all oh, that. No, I uh, I'm sure my dogs hate me anyway, so it's fine. I can uh, I can live. I'll take that one, man. 
Um, so number two is actually my favorite animal. It's bears. Uh, I once saw a YouTube video of a bear hula hooping and standing on a chair. And I know that they can run up to 30 miles per hour and they can weigh up to a thousand pounds and they pretty much just kill anything they ever come like to encounter. Yep. So I would just be like, yo bears, like how does it feel to be so cool? Yeah. My, and, uh, my fact that, you know, they get hunted all the damn time, but I got to say the people who are hunting bears, you got balls, my friend. I mean, like you said, they run really fast. They kill just about everything. Just like the sharks, man. I think you're you got something for these animals that just kill everything, man. I'm I'm sensing some like underlying some psychological concerns here, man. But no, I agree. I'm a big fan of bears myself. Um I, <laughs> big fan. Big, big fan of bears. We are way better. Two big fans. Yep. Eight oh eight and hot takes. Not fans of Steph Curry. Big fans big of bears. Big fans of bears. You hear that? If World Wildlife Foundation tuned back in, if they decided maybe to give us another chance, I'm sure we maybe got them back on board here. And I'm sure with this next animal, we'll get them right back off board. Yeah. Hey, shout out to them because they make awesome calendars. <laughs> um, but the number one animal, and I bet a lot of people wouldn't have thought of this, so I think I'm fairly creative for coming up with it, but is a blue whale. Blue whales weigh 420,000 pounds. Jeez. That's like that's like almost four tanks. Like They are actually the biggest animal to exist and to have ever existed. Like, if we were to learn about blue whales in, like, the freaking dinosaur books every kid looks at, we'd be like, holy balls. Like, that thing must have been insane. Except we don't have to do that. We don't have to look in these books. We can just look in the freaking ocean or on Google Images and and just look at how massive these animals are. And I feel like not enough people talk about them. And... They I, they actually don't kill everything, so this this is a good change of pace for you. Um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I don't know what they eat. Probably like just lesser fish, but I don't think they're like active predators. I don't know what their what their rank is on the uh, the food chain, but I don't think they're up there that high. But those things are huge. I uh, I still think, regardless of knowing that they're not horrible predators, I still think it's probably terrifying to happen to see one. <laughs> That'd be it, dude. If I was in, that was like deep sea dive a little bit, and I saw a blue whale, I would immediately just take off all my gear and try and just like suffocate immediately because I'd probably <laughs> die from paralyzing myself from fear just because of something that massive. Count me out, man. But you know what? Big ups to the blue whales. You guys really hold it down even though you're underappreciated. Yeah, shout out to blue whales. Everyone who hasn't seen a blue whale, go check it out. They're like literally the size of islands. <laughs> and that hot track means that that was the last segment of the first episode of the 808s and hot takes podcast with rock with rio we really hope that everyone had a good time we really hope that you come back next week but although i am hesitant to commit myself to putting (laughs) one out every week even though it's like a long time but Hey, don't uh, don't undersell us, man. We got we got a lot of we got a lot of juice, man. I think uh, I think the listeners let them let them be surprised by by our forte. Yeah, let us let us know what you think. Uh, there's actually an email set up for eight oh eights and hot takes at gmail dot com. It kind of looks like eight oh eight sand 
do you want to shout out your twitter yeah yeah you can hit me on the twitter at uh at hullabaloo sound um it's h-u-l-l-a-b-a-l-o-o sound feel free <laughs> feel free to slide into my dms um sure everybody who's gonna listen to this already follows me anyway so i mean but either way hit this up hit us up on the tweeter you know um shout us out if you got any input any feedback we'd love to hear it if you want to you know let us know our beats are sick if you want to you know what is switch up some beats you know we'd like to hear any kind of feedback we get if you guys yeah, like, and, like I'm, us. and i'm uh at derek dub derek d-u-b-s uh and that's been it uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next week. Peace out. <laughs>